This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Adam Munster Tiger. Did I, I? I always botch that. Is that right, Adam? Munster Tiger, like the the cheese and the big cat. <laughs> From BuffStampede.com with the Washington Colorado game scheduled to kick off at 6 p.m. on Senior Night at Husky Stadium. Temperature is not going to be really bad, but you know what it gets like at Husky Stadium? That wind comes off the water and it cools down a little bit. So just make sure to bundle up. But Adam, it's just boy, this has got to be a frustrating year for you one and nine going into you know the final two games of the season with a coach being fired we've been there with Tyrone and I know how frustrating it can be what's the overall sentiment and feeling around Colorado Buffalo football right now yeah well I definitely used to uh, covering and watching a lot of bad football Uh, this is my 20th year covering Colorado football and uh, aside from 2016 when they won 10 games, won the South. It has been a lot of bad football. And this probably is as bad as it's gotten. I guess the only other season I would compare it to is 2012. John Embry's second and final season in Boulder. Uh, They made a coaching change then. They made a coaching change, obviously, this time around as well, five games into the season with Carl Drill getting fired. And so that part of it's at least renewed some optimism within the fan base for the future that, okay, that uh, there's going to be you know, new leader of the program here relatively soon. But yeah, it, it's been really tough because the same issues happen week after week with this football team. And so uh, a lot of our analysis is pretty stale at this point. It's almost like beating a dead horse at this point because, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks they've been, uh, I think they were a 33 point underdog against Oregon and then a 34 point underdog against USC. And both those teams covered that spread. So that, that's how bad it's been in Boulder here in recent weeks. We did have one Saturday that was a, a break from all the negativity when Mike Sanford took over as the interim head coach. They beat Cal in overtime. So that was a, a fun Saturday. The fans actually got to rush the field because they had some pent up frustration they needed to, to get out that, that Saturday. But uh, aside from that, that one game, it, it's been a rough road. No, no doubt. What's been the problem there. I mean, it's a desirable location. It's a good program. You would figure that you should be, you know, in the middle to the top half of the conference all the time. And it's just not happening. Is it athletic director? Is it non-support? The location's great. The school's great. What's, what's the issue? 
Uh, quite a few different things. I think you would start with some of the head coaching hires they've made over the last 15 years. And Mel Tucker was the one that seemed like it was going to work out. And he, Michigan State threw a bunch of money at him. And after 14 months on the job in Boulder, Mel Tucker was gone. And so they were kind of in panic mode with his last coaching search. It took place in February of 2020, right before the pandemic. And by February, your top coaching candidates have landed. They, they know where they're going to be coaching that next year. And so the pool of available coaches was so shallow for Rick George, the athletic director, that they decided to try to go with an out-of-the-box hire in Carl Durrell, who was uh, a receivers coach for the Miami Dolphins at the time and had history in Boulder. He was an offensive coordinator back in some of the heydays of Colorado football in the early 90s. And so he already had a house that he owned close by in Boulder. So it seemed like maybe a, a risk worth taking, but Carl Durrell just did not have the personality to lead 18 to 22-year-old young men. We heard similar stories about his tenure at UCLA prior to, to his stint leading the Buffaloes program. He was the son of a naval officer. In, you know, in a lot of lines of, of work, his demeanor would be really well-respected, but just did not bring that energy that these college athletes feed off of. And so the, the, the program had kind of gotten stale under his watch. And that's one of the things with interim head coach Mike Sanford taking over. They did win one game on his watch, and it was because of that enthusiasm that he injected the program with, it, it much needed. And so I think they're going to need that with their next permanent head coach. But there are some other issues that have made it tough for Colorado, especially in this new landscape where NIL is so important. You know, they just in the last month created a collective. And so that's, they've really been behind the eight ball as far as that goes. And then the other big issue that's facing this program right now is they have a hard time bringing in transfers uh, in terms of they don't have a general studies major at Colorado. And because of the progress towards degree requirements, it's hard to, for them to bring in second and third year college athletes. They almost have to bring in graduate transfers or guys that have just started their college career and, and don't have, you know, those 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 credit limitations coming in. So uh, while a lot of the programs they're competing with on the field are loading up with these transfers and, you know, and that's allowing them to be successful in, on the field in 2022. And, and that will obviously be the case going forward. Colorado has a really hard time doing that. And then on the flip side of that, they lost 23 guys to the transfer portal, six starters left because th those guys weren't buying into Carl Durrell's vision. So they basically had to hit reset on their roster, but they weren't able to bring in a lot of transfers. Like I mentioned, the issue bringing in guys that are second and third year guys in college. So they were asking a lot of true freshmen to play a bigger role than they were ready for. Now, a couple of those guys, Jordan Tyson, who is now out of the, out for the season with a lower leg injury, was starting to play really good football. But generally, you don't want to be playing – 10 true freshmen in a prominent role. And then there were a lot of guys that were, you know, asked to, to, to play a lot of football that in an ideal situation would be red shirting or playing special teams. And then jumping into the role they're at now as true freshmen, probably a couple of years down the road. And so that's been the issue, just a really young football team, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. So a lot of different issues. You're right. If you find the right coach, Boulder is an attractive enough spot that, uh, 
it really doesn't make sense that Colorado football, to your point, has been as bad as as it has been for the last 20 years outside of that that who's one the, year in 2016. Who's the next coach? Hard to say. You know, they're, Bronco Mendenhall is a name that uh, has been picking up steam here throughout the coaching search. Uh, Tom Herman is another name that there's been a lot of buzz around. And uh, we, we've heard rumors that uh, Rick George is, is trying to make a – a big swing and, and maybe even bring in somebody like Deion Sanders. Now uh, I have a hard time buying into that because I think there's going to be other suitors for Deion Sanders. Uh, but uh, his name has been coming up here a lot lately as well. Yeah. It's, it's just taking a look at the PAC 12 stats uh, with uh, Colorado only averaging 15.7 points a game. You're not going to win any games averaging 15 points a game. And the defense is, hasn't been much better, but this is just, yeah, it's kind of one of those throwaway years at Colorado. I don't know if that's fair, and just look forward to the next game, which is going to be Saturday up at uh, up in Washington. What needs to happen for Colorado? Tell I, just a note, side note: um, the Seattle XFL draft their team. Did you see who they drafted in the first round? Uh, was it Steven Montez? They did. This former Colorado Buffalo going to lead the Seattle. I don't even know what the name is. It the Sea Dragons? I don't even know what it is. But, uh, you know, the former Colorado quarterback coming back to Seattle. But you know, tell me about the quarterback situation at Colorado. Uh, it looks like you've got a couple of guys. So tell me what to expect on this offense and the quarterback leading Colorado. Well, Owen McCown is Colorado's best quarterback, and he's a true freshman, 160-pound true freshman, but he's played in four games, and I mentioned his his weight there. He needs to develop physically, and his father, Josh McCown, 18-year NFL veteran, you know, knows that his son needs to develop, and so a decision has basically been made that Owen McCown is going to go ahead and sit out the last few games. There's nothing to really play for other than, as Mike Sanford says, we're, we're playing for memories at this point, but you're definitely not going to screw up Owen McCown's future eligibility by playing him again this year. So uh, they'll be rolling again this week with JT Shrout, who has played really awful football for Colorado behind center this year. He's a, a turnover machine back there. He's got a really strong arm, but he has not learned how to harness that arm. There's easy passes that he just needs to – basically loop it in there and he just fires it in there and it just has had massive accuracy issues this year. I kind of use the analogy. Sometimes it looks like he's out there trying to skip rocks on a lake. It's just these low darts that are, you know, sometimes you, you need to fire a ball in there, but it's like, he's only got one pace on his ball and it makes it really difficult. If that ball is not right on the money, then the receiver has no ability to adjust to it. And because the ball's firing in there, even if it's on target, it's kind of a tough ball to catch from JT Shroud. So uh, he's really struggled. Uh, they don't really have another option at this point. Brennan Lewis, who had started 13 games from the start of the 2021 season, and he started the opener this year, also really struggled to show progress as a quarterback. He was kind of on the opposite side. He didn't turn the ball over, but he also didn't ever take any chances. And so it was really hard for Colorado to make plays offensively. He entered the transfer portal back in October. So they're really stuck with JT Shroud for these last two games this year. And then uh, I'd imagine the next head coach at Colorado is going to really have to revamp that quarterback room outside of Owen McCown, who, who does have a bright future, but you need to have uh, more than one capable body in that room because Owen McCown got banged up in their win against Cal. And that's when they made the decision to, to redshirt him. But 
Um, he's a guy that I don't think you can just go into next year anointing him as the savior of the program. You're going to have to bring in a transfer quarterback. But for this year, for this Saturday against Washington, uh, you're going to see Shroud out there, and uh, I would expect him to struggle again. You've got a couple of decent running backs, it looks like, though. Um, you know, taking a look at what they've been able to do, would you expect them to run the ball, try to run the ball against Washington? Because I'm guessing that they're going to dare Colorado to throw the ball. Yeah, that's the issue is they do have a, a really good running game, but they fall behind in these games early on, and they, they don't have a choice but to you know try to get back in the game by throwing the ball downfield. And, and as I just alluded to there, uh, you know, JT Shroud has just not been up to the task there. So uh, I would imagine, again, it kind of sounds like uh, week after week, it's the same things we're talking about. But with Colorado, I, I would expect them to fall behind early against Washington and then have a hard time sticking with the ground game. Ideally, if they can somehow get out to an early lead, which I don't expect to happen, but if they can do that, then certainly you're going to see them try to feature the running game more because that, that is the strength of really this entire team. Deion Smith and Alex Fontenot, as well as Anthony Hankerson, look to be carrying the load. And when you take a look at uh, their average yard per carry, you know, it's up there. I mean, five. Deion Smith is averaging five yards a carry. Alex Fontenot, five yards a carry. Uh, Hankerson, four yards a carry. Yeah, Alex Fontenot is coming off his best game in about three years. He went for over 100 yards against USC. It was his second game back from an injury he suffered really early in the season. And uh, he was one of the few bright spots for them out in Los Angeles last Friday. His touchdown run, he got met at the two yard line by a couple of USC defenders and he just piled his way into the end zone. He had some other short yards conversions in the game where he showed a lot of toughness uh, getting those yards. So it's good to see him back healthy because he's somebody that's been outside of 2019 when he almost rushed for a thousand yards as Colorado's lead back. He's uh, been dealing with injuries throughout his career. So uh, he's, he's finishing, it appears his career pretty strong, but uh, it's kind of going unnoticed just because of the, the lack of team success here. Yeah, over on the defensive side of the ball for a while there, I, I remember tuning in a few weeks ago and looking at the USC Colorado score, and I thought I had the baseball uh, scoreboard up <laughs> because it was three to two. Was it three to two at the end of the first quarter? Yeah, it was, and uh, Colorado actually limited USC to eight yards in the first quarter, and then uh, the final three quarters, USC racked up two. Uh, I'm sorry, 523 yards through the final three quarters. <laughs> Well, they showed they could play defense for a quarter. That had to be encouraging. Yeah, you know, they've been more aggressive since the coaching shakeup in early October. They also fired Chris Wilson, their defensive coordinator, because, I mean, their rush defense through the first five games was on pace to be the worst in, in college football history. I mean, it was that bad. They were just getting gashed. And uh, since they made that change, they, they've played more inspired football. And like we were talking about there, they, they played really good for – a quarter against USC, but it, it's kind of like week after week when you're not getting any production out of the offense, you know, those defensive guys are only willing to uh, bring it for so long before they, they kind of lose interest and in, in the other team starts to, to rack up points. Is there a couple of names on defense that Husky fans should maybe keep their eye on a little bit? Josh Chandler Samedo is a pretty good linebacker. He's a graduate transfer from West Virginia. He actually led West Virginia in tackles last year and is in, I believe, fifth in the Pac-12 in tackles right now. So he's uh, been uh, one of the few bright spots on defense. Trevor Woods at safety, a, a true sophomore, has started to develop into a, a pretty good playmaker for the Buffs. He 
missed last Friday's game at USC with an injury, but we've heard that he's been back practicing this week. So I'd expect him to be back in the mix. There's actually quite a bit of experience on the front seven for Colorado's defense, but uh, those guys have had individual moments of glory, but really have not brought it consistently as a group this year. Uh, Guy Thomas off the edge is a pretty good pass rusher and Terrence Lang. Uh, he's one of the first off the bus type guys, a guy that will actually have a chance as a defensive end in the NFL, but has just really struggled to put it all together at Colorado. But there are definitely glimpses from Guy Thomas and Ter- Terrence Lang as pass rushers that, they, you know, they can they can go off and have a, a pretty good performance here and there. Yeah, it sounds reminiscent of what we went through with Tyrone Willingham here. You know, uh, you know, Colorado at least made the right decision to let Carl Durrell go. But when Washington did it, they fired uh, Tyrone and then let him coach the rest of the year. And what we saw on that year was you know, they got off to a couple of fast starts. But once that ball started rolling the other way, it was just kind of tough to stop. And I'll just never forget the uh they played the Apple Cup and then they had to go to Cal and play um, Cal and Javi Best ran for 250 yards in the first quarter. <laughs> I mean, the first half. So it seems like maybe a little bit of the same at Colorado where they've got the ability to play. But when things start rolling the other way, it, they kind of lose interest and it's just tough to get the ball uh, stopped going downhill. Yeah, and, and you know these guys are still competing. That's the the strange thing is that there haven't been points during this one and nine season where you go. I think this team has just completely given up. Now at points in games, especially defensively, that that has happened at points. But really, especially on offense, it's been just a lack of execution. I mentioned J.T. Shroud struggles as a quarterback. It's not like these guys are going out there and going through the motions they're trying, which, you know, just kind of leads me to the point that so many guys are playing before they probably should be. They should be more in the developmental stage, but they're out there, you know, as starters or, or key backups because Colorado lost so many guys to the portal and they don't really have a choice, but to, you know, thrust those guys in the fire. Now it could potentially pay off down the road for some of these young guys that are getting a lot of reps right now, but the next head coach is going to have to do a good job of recruiting them to stick around. That's going to be, the key more so than recruiting high school players is going to be recruiting the guys on this roster because uh, they just can't hit that reset button again like they did last offseason. Well, when you go into a situation like this, you're selling playing time, which is pretty attractive at times. So if you can get a good coach in there that can uh, recruit pretty well, you're selling playing time. But well, I wasn't aware of the transfer deal. Boy, that just makes it tough when it's a lot easier to walk out the door than it is to come in the door. That makes it tough. Totally. And, and Colorado's athletic director has kind of tried to downplay that issue, which has really frustrated fans because uh, I, I got the numbers sent to me by, by a source I trusted. And it was about three fourths of the, the guys in the transfer portal that they evaluated over a 13 month stretch that either couldn't transfer to Colorado because of the academic requirements, or those players would have had to do extra coursework to get into Colorado. Now you tell player a, you can come to Colorado or you can go to, you know, a Cal or another school that has pretty prestigious academics, but can get these athletes in, they're going to choose that other school where it's an easier road to get into. And so uh, we've just been baffled the fact that the administration at Colorado has, has tried to downplay this issue because it, it really is a, a big problem for Colorado. It will be going forward until they can get it figured out. Oh, yeah, it's we understand the problem. It's just like at Washington, the PE credits don't transfer in. So when you're telling players, you know, you've got to take a foreign language and an algebra class and other schools are saying, you know, hey, those PE you know, credits will transfer. 
when you're trying to rebuild, that kind of makes it tough. And, you know, sounds like Colorado's in a little bit of that situation as well. So, yeah, just not an easy deal. All right. You still got the great barbecue up there in the press box, by the way. Yeah, the, the food is definitely something that we can't complain about uh, throughout this this one and nine season. Jimmy Armstrong is a guy that uh, they bring in to cater those meals. And I, I've told him multiple times, you know, your your food continues to be the, the best aspect of covering this program right now. <laughs> it's actually really good. It's probably the best in the conference. BYU far and away is the best I've ever had. They get the Brazilian steak and the Brazilian beef and they got the big thing and they just cut it off right in front of you. But uh, Colorado, I'd put right up there to second at uh at, you know what you get at washington washington i'm trying to think i i've you covered box, games out there you get box a box lunch? you get a box okay. lunch okay <laughs> they, cut, yeah, there was... they cut the budget way 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 back so but utah's uh, got a pretty good spread too yeah. every year you go out to utah that that's that's not a bad meal that they they give you out there but yeah colorado's definitely uh, they're not high in the conference and a lot of things football related, but food. Yeah. I'll, I'll give the buffs that we will take it. All right. Anything else we need to know about this upcoming game? Any notes of interest, Adam? Gosh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't think you as a Washington fan listening to this need to worry too much other than if Washington just does not take this week seriously. you know, obviously, uh, as we were talking about on our video preview on the, on the Colorado side, there's really no way to think that Colorado is going to stay in this football game unless Washington just has an emotional, you know, hangover because this game is sandwiched between obviously two really big games for, for the Huskies. And so the only way for Colorado to even make this competitive is to, to catch Washington napping early in this game and win that turnover margin by a sizable, uh, you know, advantage. Uh, But I I just don't see it. I think Michael Penix Jr. is going to, you know, just pick Colorado apart in the middle of the field. They just have had coverage issues from their linebackers and safeties all season. And so it should be a pretty comfortable, easy win for the Huskies. Well, the good news is it's not a 7.30 or an 8 o'clock game, Adam. It's a 6 o'clock start here in Seattle. So we, we all know how much we love those late night games. Oh, gosh, I dread them. Every year I get older and, and those games become a little bit tougher when they kick off late. But uh but sports writers, we like to complain anyway, so you give us an excuse and we're going we're gonna to complain about it. Six o'clock kickoff at Husky Stadium. Adam, thanks for jumping on. Of course, Kim. Appreciate you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. Drag queens save the world.
RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.